It's Friday, October 6th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, uh, the Guardians reportedly uh, have uh, are continuing to add names to their list of uh, uh, managerial candidates for interviews. Uh, what's the latest you've heard, and uh, and you know what we can expect to see is in far as insofar as uh, guys who are interviewing for the uh, the job to replace Terry Francona. Yeah, Joe. Uh, latest name that came out is uh, Carlos Mendoza, uh, the uh, bench coach for the New York Yankees. Aaron Boone's bench coach uh, for the last four years uh, has been a member of the Yankees big league coaching staff for the last since 2017. Uh, was a third played in the minors for 13 years as an outfielder. I think he joined the um, the Yankees organization in 2009, kind of worked his way up as a coach and a minor league manager, then a defensive coordinator. Uh, so, uh, yeah, kind of an interesting choice, but uh, I don't think a big surprise. You know, they're looking for uh, – he's 43, probably, you know, a little uh, younger approach probably. Um, and, uh, you know, it sounds like, you know, according to the New York Post – the Guardians reached out to, uh, you know, ask for, for permission to talk to him. Uh, so, you know, at least that's the second name that's that's at least surfaced, Joe. And we know there's more than that. Uh, you know, Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff said they've already conducted some interviews when we talked to them uh, at the end of the season post, uh, you know, the press conference on Tuesday. Right. And, you know, we know that uh, there's uh, the the list of candidates could be up to, you know, 45, even even more than that. Uh, but, you know, those that will get interviews and those that will will actually be seriously considered, uh, you know, it, it, the, the list is probably a lot shorter than that. Uh, one name that you can take off the list. Uh, I don't know if it was ever really on the list, but uh, we, we heard yesterday that uh, Bob Melvin uh, intends to return and, and manage the uh, the Padres next year. Uh, disappointing season for the Padres with a big uh, payroll, but Bob Melvin uh, pretty much taking himself out of consideration for uh, other jobs. I know that you know the the rumors have been out there that if he was to be fired by the uh, the Padres, uh, that he might go back and and manage in the Bay Area if uh, if the the Giants were looking to go in that direction. Uh, he would have been a, a good fit uh, for the Giants. But, uh, you know, Melvin announcing that he, you know, intends to come back and, and manage the the Padres, that, that sort of, again, you, you sort of have to play like uh, two chess moves ahead and see where people are going to end up and where they're going to land and, you know, which openings are still there in, in terms of who's going to be available. Uh, you know, we haven't heard anything definitive about uh, Kevin Cash in, in – uh, in Tampa Bay after, you know, a couple of days after the, the Rays are out, but can't imagine that uh, the Rays would want to part, uh, part ways with, with cash if, if they haven't already, uh, you know, what other, other moves, these, these sort of, uh, you know, domino effects in, in the managerial ranks uh, can, can lead to this. But, but do you think that's going to affect the guardians one way or another? Because a guy like Mendoza isn't necessarily going to be on the radar for you know a couple of these clubs. Yeah, you know, it just he has man he has interviewed before Joe. He interviewed 
uh, last year with the White Sox, you know, after, uh, you know, Tony or two years ago, I should say, after La Russa was let go. Uh, he interviewed with the uh, Tigers after uh, before A.J. Hinch was was hired and he uh, interviewed with uh, with the Red Sox. So, you know, he has interviewed before. So he's, he might be, you know, one of those under the radar kind of popular choices that, you know, teams like to uh, kick the tires on. We also got, you know, Craig Council is is out there although you know we everyone thinks he's headed for uh the Mets you know with David Stern taking over that those base that base you know the operations with the with the Mets so we'll have to see but yeah it's going to be you know I think you know you you start out if if this goes like uh, the last big search the uh, Guardians undertook was after Manny Actor was fired following uh, the 2012 season you know, they start out with 30 to 40 names, then they boil it down, you know, and boil it down. And finally you get, you know, three to five finalists. You bring them into Cleveland. They talk to them. You know, the the last time they did that, they introduced, you know, each candidate talked to the media after the interviews. Uh, so I don't know if they'll do that, you know, if they'll take that approach again. But it sounded like, uh, you know, Chris Antonetti wanted to get this done as soon as he could, but I, I still think it's going to we're t- looking at a two, three, four week process here. Yeah, you, you've been through uh, a few of these these managerial uh, covering a few of these managerial searches uh, just in your gut. Uh, you know, what do you think the, the timetable is? Do you think, you know, by Halloween we could have somebody in place or do you think, uh, you know, it, it's going to be into November before we're we know who the uh, the candidate's going to be? Yeah, I would think, uh, you know, where are we're, you know, I would think, you know, by the end, uh, you know, maybe end of October, um, early November, I think they'll they'll have a guy, they'll 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 find someone that you know they want to name as manager. I think they'd like to have it in place by the uh, GM meetings, you know, which are usually you know early November. So, you know, I would think uh, they'll, they'll go that route, Joe. But you know, if they can't find the right guy, or you know, they've got to wait. You know, for, you know, if, you know, for certain situations to develop, you know, I think they're willing to wait to find the right guy because, you know, this is an important hire. Obviously, you come, you know, after 11 years of Terry Francona, you don't want to screw it up. When you say uh, wait for certain things to develop, uh, you you mean wait for teams to to lose and and their uh, their, uh, you know, coaches and and managers become available. Uh, Maybe uh, do you get a sense that you know, perhaps the, the next Guardians manager is a, a guy who's right now uh, in the uh, the division series working for or with a team uh, that's that's still in the playoffs and, and could be, you know, a, a week or two away from having his season end. Yeah, he very well could be. And, you know, you can manage. I mean, you can interview guys, um, you know, during the playoffs. I mean, they're on an off day or depending if that team gives you – gives the, uh, team, you know, the Guardians permission to talk to them or, you know, set up an interview or, or gives them, you know, if they, you know, open the door and, and you know, kind of let you interview. So it, it has happened before where you they've interviewed players, you know, certain managers, you know, managerial content, uh, candidates have, have interviewed during the postseason. I think it's rare, you know, and uh, but so it, it could still happen. Yeah, I, 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 the whole idea of, you know, asking permission and I don't know if there, there's no like tampering rules or anything like that, that, that they could violate, right. They, they, they would, that would cost them draft picks or anything. Is that a, a possibility? 
No, it's there's usually you get a uh, when you call another team for permission to talk to one of their employees. There's a seven day window where you can usually talk to the, you know can you know talk interview the candidate, offer them a job. Uh, but when with the with the manager's job, it's you you know you get a lot of leeway you know because it's such an important job and it is you know a step up from almost any other job that 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 the person you're interviewing has held. So, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the teams, uh, usually work out, you know, and if they need the expanded time past, past seven days, you know, th- there's usually, there's not too much. I don't think there's a lot of problem there. But now, of course, you know, you, you can, you know, the ownership uh, of the team can deny a team, you know, per, uh, their request to, uh, talk to, uh, a certain, pl- uh, you know, candidate. They did that, you know, the, uh, the, Brewers turned down the uh, Mets when they were talking to David Stearns as their when they wanted you know him to be uh, their uh, you know chief uh, you know baseball operation you know director. They did that for a couple years in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just funny. Uh, you know, I'm sitting here listening to you talk about you know denying these guys and and why it's uh, you know different for a, a manager because once you're you're elevated to that position, it's sort of like you're a you're a made man. It's a uh, I, I've seen so many uh, mafia movies. I've seen so many gangster movies where, you know, the, the guys get uh, uh, sort of inducted into the the mafia. And it's it's like a big deal because now you're you're sort of an untouchable. You're uh, you're this guy who's elevated in status. Uh, there's only 30 of these jobs out there uh, as, as a major league manager. And, and you want to make sure uh, you're, you're completely vetted and, and, and the right one. And and this process is just fascinating, uh, you know, as to how these guys, uh, you know, sort of come along in their journey and then reach this point where they uh, they they get to be made men. They get to be, uh, you know, the guy because because really that that they become the face and they have to answer all the questions. And uh, it's it's a lot to undertake. Uh, uh, so for a guy like, uh, you know, Carlos Mendoza, who's been trying to to take that next step for all these, these, these years, uh, what do you think he has to do differently in a, in an interview with, with the guardians to, to make them, you know, sort of want to go in his direction? Well, I think, you know, you really have to convince the, you know, you have to convince uh, Antonetti and, and Chernoff and the rest of the front office that you can be a, you know, a good partner with them, that you can help them, that you can help the team develop, that you, you know, know what you're doing in the dugout. You know, I think that's probably the most basic thing, but you have to, you know, I think it goes beyond that. Like you said, Joe, you got to be the face of the franchise. You got to be the, you know, the tip of the spear, so to speak. You know, when, when something goes wrong on the field, you know, you have to answer for it. Or, you know, if there's a problem off the field with one of your players, you got to answer for it. You've got to be responsible, you know, and you have to help you have to help them, you know, the front office become, you know, become better at their jobs. So eventually you can put a better team on the field. And, you know, obviously in Cleveland, it comes with payroll restrictions. It's not the Yankees. You know, you're not going to be able to, you know, don't have carte blanche when it comes to the payroll. So, you know, all those restrictions, you have to be, you know, you have to be willing to make those work. And, you know, no better example than Terry Francona. And he made it work for 11 years. So, uh, you know, that's the blueprint to follow if you're if you're Carlos Mendoza or if you're anyone else coming into to an interview process with Cleveland. 
God, I love it when you speak French, Hoinsey. Carte blanche. <laughs> Come on, it's 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 the best. It's it's my favorite part of the day. Uh, uh, all right, I want to make sure our uh, our listeners know about Subtext. It's our subscription texting service, uh, and it's how we are updating all of our uh, our subscribers on the latest uh, about the the search to replace Terry Francona as manager of the the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, 216-208-4346. Send a text message to that number to subscribe for $3.99 a month or go to cleveland.com slash subtext. Uh, it's the best way to stay on top of all the latest from uh, the Guardians and from myself and Hoinsey during this offseason. This offseason where, uh, you know, we're, we're now sort of going to take a, a, a chance to step back, uh, look in the rear view, look at what uh, what happened to the Guardians and what the Guardians did uh, on the field and in the front office and, and what some of the, the best and worst moments uh, of the uh, of the season and what what you know what happened out there uh, that really sort of caught our eye. Um, you know, Hoinsey, uh, let's start with the bad first because we can get that we can get that out of the way. But uh, uh, the five biggest mistakes that the uh, the Guardians made during the 2023 season. Uh, I know we uh, we sort of sat there and, and bounced some ideas off of each other uh, yesterday, but uh, you know the the ones that stood out to you. Yeah, you know I thought uh, my five Joe were you know I thought whatever happened to Oscar Gonzalez I thought was a big uh, you know kind of changed the direction of this season, changed the direction of this offense. I mean from the get go, what you know it just seemed like. Um, Oscar was going one way and the, and the organization had, you know, really gone the other way on this guy in spring training. You know, he, he, he lost his job, even though, you know, spring training stats aren't supposed to, you know, count that much. And he really never recovered. And this guy, you know, was lifted this team last year. I mean, two years ago, he was a key part to the team uh, winning the division and going as far into the postseason as they could. And I just didn't, I never understood it how they treated him and he never recovered from that. And, you know, that's on him as well, but I, I thought the, the organization didn't handle him right. Yeah. I, I thought from the, you know, from, from, uh, you know, for all the, the praise that Tito gets for the way he handles his veterans and, and that kind of thing. Uh, I thought that, you know, handling Oscar uh, was, was sort of, you know, maybe uh, fumbled a little bit uh, as well. I, I completely agree that, uh, Oscar was a completely different player this year. He was, he was a lot more, uh, quiet and reserved when he was up with the, uh, the major league club, uh, you know, didn't say a lot, didn't do a lot. And, uh, and you could tell it translated on his, on his, his play. Uh, what was the, uh, the next on your, on your list of, of worst, uh, you know, moves by the team this year? Yeah, uh, the additions is Zanino and uh, uh, Bell. Now, I, I was all in favor for them when they made them. You know, definitely I, I, I understood the reasons behind them, you know, adding the two free agents. And, uh, you know, the thing that struck me, Joe, is that Zanino just, he was done. You know, he was done yeah. as a player. And I thought someone should have noticed that. I mean, I know it's when you dive into the free agent pool, you take all the free agent risks with it. But, the scouting report they had on Zanino was not a good one. And that was, you know, $6 million wasted. Uh, Bell, you know, I, I, I had, I really didn't have a problem with Bell. You know, you trade him at the deadline. Okay. Uh, but you know, he was erratic. He was a little streaky. They knew that, 
but I, I understood Bell. I could I got Bell more than I got Zanino. Yeah, it just seems, uh, you know, Bell sort of fell into that category of uh, this organization, this front office, maybe giving up on uh, certain players uh, maybe a, a bit too soon. Uh, but again, everybody grew impatient with with Bell's lack of production uh, early in the year. And it seemed like he could hit when he was in other ballparks, when he was, you know, back in Pittsburgh, when he was back in Washington. He was even when he was back in uh, San Diego, he was tearing the cover off the ball. But uh, the one place that he couldn't hit was progressive field and it didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, what was next on your list? Yeah, I thought, uh, you know, the the deadline trades, you know, I, I you know, <laughs> In the big picture, I got them. I understood it. But at ground level, I thought they misread the locker room. You know, really, it was it was a miss by trading, you know, Savali and, and Bell and Rosario when they did. You know, it really kind of created a hole in that locker room. I think, uh, you know, they the, the fact that they, you know, after they traded, um, you know, Bell, they went out and got no hit by Houston. They go 11 and 16 in August. Uh, you know, uh, Antonetti and Chernoff have to make an emergency flight to uh, Houston to calm the waters on the last day of a seven-day trip. I thought, uh, you know, I, I don't know if they would, it just, you know, it, I, it just didn't work. You know, it just didn't go over well to me. All right. And uh, part of that was, uh, you know, due in part to uh, what was number four on your list uh, as far as uh, the, the club just failing to develop or, or keep power hitters in the in the lineup. Yeah, and this is you know, I you know these guys have made a lot of good trades. They you know they've made a you know a lot of good trades. And and when you make a lot of trades like they said, you're going to make some bad ones. And uh, you know, with the trades of Will Benson, with uh, Nolan Jones, with Yanar Diaz, you know, and and uh, you know. The trade of uh, you know Campanero, the uh, the the uh, prospect. It just um, you know if you make too many of those trades, you know, and that those are happened what over the course two and a half years, you know, you're going to hurt the franchise. You you know those catch up to you after a while, especially when you see you know them have success in other cities and uh, with other teams. So you know it just uh, that was it kind of compounded with the, the, all the offensive struggles this team went through this year. And finally, the uh, the ongoing uh, problem uh, that, that reaches sort of beyond, uh, you know, that, that overall uh, re- retaining talent con- uh, idea uh, is just that not being able to, to, to feel a competitive outfield. Yeah. You, you've got, you've got, you know, Stephen Kwan and uh, you got two open spots there and, and they battled that the whole year. Uh, you know, I mean, if you're if you're if you get 18 home runs out of your your outfield for a season, you're in trouble. Yeah. And, and uh, it's a, a glaring weakness that uh, it needs to be addressed and hopefully will be addressed by the next uh, manager in concert with the uh, the front office moving forward. All right. Uh, that's the bad. That's the uh, you know, the the ongoing issues and uh, the sort of the specter that loomed over this uh, 2023 season but the uh there was plenty of good uh that that came out of uh uh the the 2023 season as well uh i thought um you know one of the one of the most important developments of the year uh was cleveland being able to identify uh three rookie pitchers 
uh, when, you know, when their veterans went down with injuries for, for large portions of the season in Shane Beaver, Tristan McKenzie, and Cal Quantrill, uh, they were able to promote guys from within, from their farm system, uh, including Gavin Williams, Tanner Bybee, Logan Allen. Uh, and, and that was all part of that uh, group of rookie pitchers that that performed admirably and, and really sort of gave you hope for the future moving forward. Yeah, Joe, no doubt about it. Uh, when it comes to starting pitching, really any kind of pitching, these guys know what they're doing. I just hope they can uh, trans, trans, tr- that that translates eventually into the hitting hitting side of the things. Yeah, it's uh, sort of the uh, the the best part of um, that uh, that development is that you you know you you don't you're not waiting around for these guys next year. You you know what you have coming in, and it's going to be a you know a good problem to have you know six to seven starting pitchers uh, as options at the beginning of the year if if you choose to go in that direction. Um, the 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 next sort of biggest uh, positive development. Uh, was the arrival of Bo Naylor finally? You know, once they decided to part ways with with Mike Zanino, I think uh, you know being willing to to eat the remainder of that six million dollar contract and and let Bo Naylor come up and and sort of flourish uh, took about a month for him to to get to his level. But you know, once he did, he was uh, one of the best hitting catchers in the American League. Yeah, really excited about Bo Naylor and his development. I thought they handled him. You know, at times I thought. What are they waiting for? But I thought they, you know, in the end, they handled him the right way. You know, uh, I thought Frank Kona eased him into the lineup. And, uh, you know, by uh, mid-August, you know, Joe, he looked great. He looked like, uh, you know, a guy that, uh, you know, really can help you behind the plate with the pitching staff and offensively. Uh, the Guardians uh, used the the new rules about uh, pickoff moves and, bigger bases and uh, pitch timers to uh, to steal more than 30 more bases than they did the previous season. 151 steals, ranked third in the American League. Uh, Andre, Andres Jimenez had a career-high 30. Uh, they have four, what, six different uh, Guardians players reach double figures. Even Josh Naylor stole at least 10 bases uh, on the season. Uh, so, uh, you know, you've got to be uh, looking at that thinking, you know, wow, they're, uh, that, that was sort of part of the formula that, that can be successful for them uh, if, if they're able to do that and continue to do that with some of these guys. Yeah, they need to play that way, Joe. They need to be aggressive on the bases. And, uh, you know, it showed, I think, they, this, this roster plays right into those new rules. Uh, and the back end of uh, games, Emmanuel Classe had uh, – just one of the strangest seasons you'll ever see out of a closer. Uh, you know, he, he, he leads the leads all of baseball with 44 saves, leads all of baseball with 12 blown saves, you know, for the third straight year, makes more than 70 appearances. Uh, just uh, uh, sort of a, a, you know, he wasn't as effective maybe as he was last year. And, and maybe a lot of uh, the reason why, the, the Guardians ended up in third place instead of, uh, you know, still in the playoffs here is because of those, you know, 12 blown saves. You take half of those and and maybe they're in a, a more competitive situation uh, down the stretch. But, uh, you know, Class A still is probably going to be under consideration for reliever of the year just because the competition, uh, you know, fell to the wayside at the end of the season uh, with, with Felix Bautista getting injured. Uh, still, uh, 
you look at where he ranks now in the all-time uh, franchise list for for saves. Uh, he's he's the only uh, Cleveland pitcher to ever have back-to-back seasons of at least 40 saves. Uh, only one to do it multiple times. So uh, still a pretty good year all the way around for Emmanuel Classe. Yeah, Joe, his, his numbers are staggering <laughs> on the plus side and the minus side. I mean, but just 70 appearances, three, you know, 70 plus appearances, three years in a row. That blows my mind. I mean, that, you know, this guy is a workhorse and he needs some help, Joe. He needs some help in the back end of that bullpen. But, you know, I mean, what a trade that was. I mean, yeah. <laughs> That that was that that trade is going to go down in the uh, that goes down in the top ten list for a Chernoff and Antonetti. Yeah, I, I, you know you think about how they keep that list of bad trades, and we talked about all those bad trades just a minute ago. But uh, you know that that's one that sort of makes uh, Mike Chernoff and Chris Antonetti puff their chests out a little bit uh, that they got a, a franchise closer. Uh, for a broken down uh, franchise pitcher, which is it's pretty impressive. Uh, speaking of franchises, uh, more than half a million more fans came out to see this franchise uh, year over year from from 2022 to 2023. Uh, that 41.5% increase uh, was one of the biggest in baseball. Yeah, just a big, you know, just a, a key, you know, just a great job by the uh, – you know, the, uh, the, the front office, the, uh, you know, the, uh, the people that, you know, the promotions department, uh, I thought, uh, you know, the, uh, what the, uh, the, the, uh, monthly pass for standing room only mm-hmm. pass was a great success. And, uh, you know, this, you know, that's 500,000, you know, half a million more in attendance that should help them in the free agent market, Joe, you know, with the, the breaking point, the break even point for Cleveland has always been, you know, 2 million, 2 million plus in attendance. They almost made it. Hopefully they can build on that this winter and they can keep going. You know, the attendance can keep rising, but, uh, you know, the, the attendance, I think, in the, was in the wake came a lot. A large part of that attendance came in the wake of uh, you know two, the 2022 season when you know they had success. So it's going right. to be interesting to see you know if w- just where attendance will be in 2024 after a third place finish. Yeah, it was a, a tremendous bounce back. Uh, you know, after the name change and and all of uh, you know the the controversy surrounding that. Uh, for them to, you know, get people back out to the ballpark was was a, a great accomplishment. Uh, some quick hits, uh, just uh, other positives that, that they accomplished this year. Uh, you know, they signed Cole Calhoun and Ramon, Ramon Laureano uh, when they were in desperate need of veteran presence. And and certainly Cole Calhoun, uh, it, it filled that role and, and really clicked and gave them something they really needed and were lacking uh, for the final two months of the season. Uh, they, uh, used the new waiver rules, uh, that were in place to, to sort of, uh, you know, again, playing chess, they, they blocked the twins, uh, from picking up, uh, a bunch of pitchers who were, uh, waived by the, the angels, including, uh, Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez, uh, guys that could have been pretty useful for them as they're still in the playoffs. Uh, you know, sort of, a a a, a good job of using the rules that were in place, uh, to sort of have some gamesmanship in, within the division. Uh, they did add a top three prospect from Tampa's uh, f- uh, farm system in Kyle Manzardo, who's right now uh, out in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, and this is a guy who could figure into their plans heavily uh, at first base next year. Um, and, you know, I, I think you, you got to mention that, you know, a, a positive would be 
giving Tito the the space and the 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 comfort level to to be able to walk away on his terms uh and and instead of having you know bad blood or anything like that with a with a departing manager you've got this guy now who's going to have a, a role in your franchise moving forward and that can only help Cleveland uh in the long run I think so uh, you know, the, the way they handled Tito stepping down, I think, was first class all the way around. And it, and it should be the blueprint for how you handle a uh, a retiring veteran manager with the kind of credentials that Tito has. Yeah, Joe, and uh, it's a rare circumstance when that happens, as as Tito said, you know, to go out to a standing ovation instead of going out with with somebody saying, don't let the door hit you in the rear end. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, all right. Before we get going, uh, last thing I want to mention: uh, development last night, as I was as I was sitting on uh, on the couch watching my phone just blow up with notifications uh, about the Savannah Bananas. Uh, Hoinsey, you remember uh, back in July, uh, I took my son down to Akron, and and we uh, got were fortunate enough to get tickets uh, to their uh, their game down one of their two games down at Canal Park uh, on their wor- world tour from 2023. Uh, banana ball is unique. It's, it's fun. It's more entertainment than maybe is baseball, but it is definitely baseball. It's a, uh, you've gotta, you gotta have your chops out there to be, uh, to play in those games for the, for the bananas. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And I think that's, uh, uh, the, the, the main thing that it tries to get across is, is, uh, entertainment and fun with the family environment and, uh, the Bananas announced their schedule for uh, next summer, and it includes Cleveland. Uh, the Bananas are coming to Progressive Field on August 10th uh, for a game. Uh, and I, I don't know, they, they introduced some new rules and some new wrinkles to their to their experience. Uh, they, they've added a team that they play. It's not like the Washington Generals playing the, the Globetrotters every night. It's more like uh, the, uh, the Party Animals are their team that they normally play. They added a, a team of firefighters that's going to be out there. I can only imagine what their uniforms are going to look like. Uh, probably a lot of shirtless guys uh, for the uh, for the ladies in the stands. But uh, it 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 sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to see how Banana Ball translates to uh, the the Major League Field, the Major League uh, Arena and Ballpark. Uh, as they'll be playing in six different uh, major league cities, including Fenway and Minute Maid uh, in Houston. Uh, what do you think about, uh, you know, the, the Guardians will be out of town. They'll be in Minnesota uh, while back home, uh, the Bananas are going to be taking over their ballpark. <laughs> it sounds like a blast, Joe. I know just from talking to you when you saw them in Akron, it was so cool. Uh, so it's going to be fun. I, I think the fans are going to get a treat. And uh, like you said, it's, it's, it's baseball with a smile, I guess, baseball, you know, with, you know, with, uh, you know, just kind of anything goes. And uh, I, 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 I'd love to see it. Definitely. The, the different rules different, definitely make it uh, a lot more fun and a lot uh, of uh, a spectacle, really. Hoinsey, would you do a, a TikTok dance if uh, if the the bananas you know came up to you and, and wanted to record you? I mean, come on, <laughs> that's they're 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 known for breaking out into their dances on the on the field. So, I mean, I gotta imagine in the press box uh, they would they would encourage you to do so. Oh my God, Joe, I, I don't think so, buddy. I might hurt myself. <laughs> well, or, or or you might injure other people just by watching. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other thing that they do is. 
if uh, if a fan in the stands catches a foul ball, it's an out, it counts as an out for that inning. So, uh, I, I mean, I got to wonder if they hit a ball into the press box, if if a reporter catches a a, a foul ball, uh, you know, what's what's that going to do? Yeah, definitely have to bring our gloves or I usually duck when I see a foul ball, yeah. but I don't know. <laughs> no, normally it's hey Hoinsey, look out as as he's got his uh head down typing uh and uh there's a, a, a several near misses over the years in the press box with uh with Hoinsey and the foul balls, but uh it 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 will be a, a lot of fun to watch just the the kids are really the uh the best part of uh, the banana ball experience and 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 the, the 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 just the joy that you see uh, when they get to participate and and do things out on the field and uh, you know in the stands it's just a lot of fun. Uh, again, really uh, excited about what it's going to look like in a major league ballpark setting because we've seen it at Canal Park where you're just so so intimate and up close with the uh, the action on the field. Uh, just can't wait to see you know when they put it on the video board and. You've got a major league sound system and and all that. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. And then at the end of the year, they go on a cruise. So I I, I don't know, man. I these guys are the guy in the uh, the yellow tuxedo and uh, there's a bunch of real uh, unique characters. Uh, I wonder what it would be like to be trapped at sea with those guys for a week. Oh my God! Is Bobby Bradley playing up with them or playing against uh, them? Wasn't there something like that? So major, there have been major league players, former major league players, retired major league players who have come in and played for and against these guys uh, on on different tour dates. I don't think Bobby Bradley is a permanent member of the team, but I, I thought I had seen somewhere that that Bobby Bradley had played against them, maybe for the Party Animals or uh, you know one of the other teams that they've played against. So uh, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, because Bobby's got a smile that would would fit definitely uh, the the profile of uh, of a Savannah Bananas uh, you know player or opponent, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's not on their their permanent roster as a a member of the Bananas. But hey, you never know. I I'll bet you we could go through and that would be a, an interesting podcast. Uh, you know, later on, uh, maybe closer to uh, that August date where we could go through and enlist. Uh, former Cleveland players who, uh, you know, like a Nick Swisher or guys who would be perfect fits to be on a, uh, to make up, we could, we could make up an all time Cleveland bananas roster and, and see, see what that would be like. Just based on personality alone could be a lot of fun. Definitely. That would be great. All right. Hoynes, that's going to wrap up uh, this week on the Cleveland baseball talk podcast. Uh, we're going to keep, uh, rustling up the bushes and, uh, and, and uh, shaking our sources for the latest on the managerial search. Uh, hopefully we'll have some names to talk about on Monday and be a little bit closer to that. Uh, we'll talk to you again then. All right, Joe.